for the last three weeks, uh, Brennan has uh, led us in times in the Word regarding development of leadership. And it starts at home. And that's uh, an important feature we want to always remember. Homegrown leadership. Moms, dads, grandparents. Okay? And it, it's a matter of you as an individual responding to what God's work in your life has been. You responding in, in faith to Him. You responding in trust. Obedience to Him. Love to Him. And He has promised to do His good work. We are, we are concerned here at Parkside Bible Fellowship about what seems to be, I think Brandon mentioned it, a uh, generational gap. Um, we want to see more and more um, people involved, people, you know, involved in serving. Um, it doesn't just happen with uh, someone getting up here and giving a rah-rah speech and uh, doing the proverbial twisting of an arm to get you signed up for this or that. We simply desire to see God uh, working in people's lives, thus the issue of edification. We want to edify the saints. We want to see the saints do the work of the ministry. We want to see people sharing their faith, evangelism. Uh, you know, we, we enjoy a Sunday morning where we say, hey, let's sing. Let's worship. Uh, more and more churches are are putting on a concert rather than calling people to worship and praise. We want to forever, <laughs> as Parkside Bible Fellowship, have a, a time where a congregation can respond in worship and praise with singing. And it's good to hear you lift up your voices in praise. And it's a reflection of what we want to see during the week. Right? A reflection of Worship in your life Monday through Saturday. Okay? Well, leadership. What's it all about? I, I have a stack of books in my office that I thought, I could bring these out and, and put them here on the floor. But, you know, a stack of books like this on leadership. All sorts of different approaches and ideas. And we want to keep encouraging people to grow in their faith. I believe that if you are a Christian, you are on track, God's track, to grow in this direction and grow in this way. Male and female. Young and old. God did not save you to just um, give you a reservation for heaven. Okay. And so we want to talk about the power of example today. We want to talk about the power of love next week because of love being a necessity in regards to leadership. 
And we want to talk about the power of conviction for the following week on the 31st. So we want to start transferring the homegrown leaders, you know, they're rising up to church leadership. That's the idea that God has. So I join in. Pastor Brennan joins in. Uh, our elders and deacons join in with that idea. That's what we want to see develop more and more. Our church, not just our church, but many churches just have somehow gotten into the rut that you come on a Sunday morning and you sit and you, you um, do your part. And then you go home and feel like, okay, I did my part. But what it tends to lead to is just you, you just sit there. And, you know, we think, well, that's church. We did church. Folks, we didn't do church. We had a, hopefully a worship service, hopefully based on the Word of God, not based on my opinion or Brennan's opinion or whoever else's opinion, but based on the Word of God. So we had a worship service where we opened up the Word of God and looked at it and asked God, help bring application to it in our lives so that we can be a shining light in our community and come together and serve the Lord together. Okay? So, what's really our next step? Okay, we talk about homegrown leadership, right? Um, in the home, uh, we're, we're doing our best to discipline our children, teach them in the, in the instruction of the Word of God, shine at home. And now what's the church's next step? Well, we need to be identifying candidates. We need to be praying. Okay? It's not just a thing of um, just figuring, well, you know, we got a pretty good crowd here on a Sunday morning. That's really good. It's like that's the, that's the idea of what happens. We feel like, yeah, the offering was really pretty good and yeah, everyone seemed happy when they went home. Don't think that that's church. Get outside the box of that and think outside the box. What is the church about? It's not about this building. It's about you. If you are a member of the body of Christ. Okay? And so, we want to be identifying candidates. We want to be encouraging people to step into serving the Lord. So who are we looking for? Anybody? Anybody will do to be a leader, right? Hey, you look like a good leader. Step on up. Well, there's obviously qualifications that we need to follow. We're not going to be talking about that today, but I want to take us through some basics, some essentials of church leadership. And you might think, oh, this is really like, really? Do we have to go through this kind of lesson time like this? Yeah. You know why? It's very critical that we understand these marks, like birthmarks. Birthmarks for church leadership. You say, well, that rules me out. I might as well go home, right? Wrong! That's what I'm saying. God has a track that He puts every child of God on. And it's not just to reserve a place in heaven for you. So we're looking for marks. And number one, in your, if you want to follow along in your outline, it's the mark of salvation. Yeah. 
We're going to talk, we're going to start there. Are you saved? Are you saved? I want you to turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians to start with. You know, there's, um, I told a, a brother here this morning that my mind is kind of scatterbrained. I got all sorts of verses in mind and we could track along with, you know, two hours of looking verse, at verses about this. But 2 Corinthians, we want to start here. I want you to see this because um, it's simply a matter for everyone to examine themselves regarding... It has the very heart of Christ's work happened in my life. Has the, the work of Christ happened in my life? He came to redeem us. He came to rescue us. And how do I know that that's happened? How do I know I'm a child of God? 2 Corinthians 13, 5 and 6. Look at it with me. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you fail the test. But I trust that you will realize that we ourselves do not fail the test. Well, there's a way to examine yourself and test yourself. And I want to present these things to you. There's not one passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at. There's a plethora of verses that we have. Okay? So... Number one, what is, what is the mark of salvation? Is, is it true that, uh, are these things true of you? You who claim to be a believer. Number one, letter A, is there a new affection for God? Is there a new affection for God in my life? You've heard it. Uh, love the Lord your God with what? Just a part of yourself. That's okay. No. No. No, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul. It's supposed to be all about every part of you. And yet I'm so good, and you are so good at compartmentalizing things. Right? Right? Let's just push this off to the side and, and, and uh, you know, we'll do it this way. You know, No, God doesn't want us to compartmentalize things. He wants every part of you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Look at Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Starting in verse 36. Now one of the Pharisees in Luke 7.36 was requesting him to dine with him and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. There's a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, they <laughs> said to himself, Oh, if this man were a prophet, he would know what, who and what sort of person this woman is who's touching him. She's a sinner. And Jesus answered him, saying, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. A money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii 
and the other fifty. And when they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which one of them will love him more? And Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I've entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wept my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to her, to, say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Listen, I read that whole passage to point out the issue of, uh, do you recognize how much you've been forgiven? A lot of times we compartmentalize that also. And we, we kind of say, well, yeah, I, I understand I'm a sinner. But we, we put on top of that the filter of being an American. Like that's something really extra special, extra points with God. Wrong! You know, we, we say, well, but I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I, I'm a good moral person. Well, see, that's a deception that you and I believe. We think because of our good behavior, our good training, our Americanism or whatever, we, we, we put that kind of thing into the mix and say, but I'm not as bad as that woman there or that man there. And yet, if we really let Scripture speak to our hearts, we come to recognize more and more deeply that my sin is deeper than I ever measured. So God, in His grace, in His mercy, has forgiven those who come to Him by faith. And thus the, the, the welling up of praise and thanks ought to be there. Is there a new affection for God in your life? Do you have an affection for God? The idea of, of your affections is to supreme, just to fix your affections supremely on Him. More strong, more strongly than on anything else. And yet, what do we put our affection in? See, and I know, we gotta grow in this way, folks, right? We gotta grow in this way. Because I, if I answer that honestly, I say, you know what, my affection is towards my wife or my children or my grandchildren. And you all say, well, what's the matter with that? Well, in our, Estimation, there's nothing wrong with that. But in God's estimation, in God, with God's measuring, I'm falling short. I'm supposed to put Him first. Have no other gods in front of Him. Right? So, there's got to be a new affection. Other verses that you can mark down. Luke 17, 11 through 19, about being thankful because of what God did in your life. He, he healed the, the lepers and only one came back to thank Him and glorify Him. Is that a picture of your life and mine? Okay, uh, Revelation 2, verse 4. Um, where's your first love gone? And that's not um, like your first high school sweetheart. That's an exclusive love. Your exclusive love for Jesus. Psalm 73, desiring no one else. Whom have I in heaven but... 
You, O Lord, and beside You I desire nothing on earth. That's the direction we want to go in, folks. That's the way we want to go. A new affection. Okay? Number, letter B, a new account. A new account with God. You say, what's that all about? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So it's about a righteousness account. My righteousness falls short. His righteousness is perfect. Do I have that new account with God? How do I, how do I get that? Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I want that new account with God. Well, it's His righteousness that only comes by faith. Paul's big argument in Romans is about not by works of the law will you be justified, but by what? Say it. Faith. Faith. And see, subtly, my friend, listen, subtly, you and I work in this idea of works of the law to our Christianity. We need to remember, no, 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 it's by faith. And that faith then produces what? Works. So don't get the, the cart before the horse. Okay? We gotta remember, faith alone, in the perfect work of Jesus, it is finished. So put your faith in what Jesus did. Now respond. Do you know that you've been forgiven and pardoned? All that comes together. And it's because of the, here's the new account that I have. I'm forgiven. Okay? Mark down Romans 3, 19 and 20. No flesh will be justified in His sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And then Romans 4, the example of Abraham. He was justified by faith. Okay? Then the argument is there in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 3. What, did you come to... To being right with God through the works of the law? No. Through faith in Christ. Boast in Him in that way. When you put faith in Christ, you, you, you have nothing to boast in. You're putting your faith in Christ. So, a new affection and a new account with God. Let us see a new appetite for what God offers. Is that the appetite that we have? And granted, I know, I need to grow, I need to grow in this way for an appetite for the things of God. You do too. Because we're so accustomed to the pottage of this world. Right? We trade, we trade like, you know, Esau did. <laughs> we, no, we, what we need is to hunger after the things of God. Matthew chapter 4 verse 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. There's your new account again. You're, you're hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Matthew 13, 44 and 45. guy finds a, a, a treasure in a field and what does he do? What does he do? He goes and sells all that he has 
and goes and buys that field. Right? I've got a, I've got a hunger for a Chevy Camaro. I want to go back in the day and drive that, you know, drive around town in my Chevy Camaro. If you have one, I, you know, good for you. <laughs> anyway, maybe you're a Ford guy, I don't know. But no, the, here's the point. It's like you want to sell everything and go after it. Things like that. Do you see that God wants that in your life towards the things that He's given you? And it's there. It's not that we have to go, you know, all we need to do is read about it. Here it is in the Word. The things that He's already provided. And what is the treasure in the field? We could say it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. It's Jesus Himself. That's who it is. So cut through all the stuff of the world and realize it's all about Jesus Christ and seeking Him first. Okay? Letter D, a new attitude in my heart. A new attitude comes forth. Here's the result of, of what I've already said. Now the attitude comes forth. You're shining like a, a rejoicing... You're, you're rejoicing in things. You're giving thanks in things. There's the attitude of the heart that's been redeemed. Heather's song, I am redeemed. Can you say that? Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, under letter D, having a new attitude. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. 1 Thessalonians 5, give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God. Those are Here's attitudes of, you know, responding to life situations. Okay, new attitude. Letter E, now a new alignment in my life. My life is aligned more and more to what Jesus has given what God has declared. Psalm, uh, Psalm chapter 1. How blessed is the man uh, who delights in the law of the Lord. Okay? How blessed is that man who, who understands, here's the difference, wickedness and godliness. Psalm chapter 1. Okay? Other passages. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5.21 1 Thessalonians 5.21, I'm going to read that to you. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And then Hebrews chapter 5, 13 and 14. Everyone who partakes only of milk, elementary teaching, is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. That's what I mean about having a new alignment in your life. You're measuring things with God and His Word, not your, your, uh, your tendency, your natural tendency. You want to measure it with His Word. First uh, John chapter 4 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So, a new alignment where you are measuring things with God's Word. You're discerning. And in that new alignment, you're recognizing, yes, I'm still struggling with sin, and I want to deal with that properly. Those things help 
That's not a, a complete listing, but those things help you and I to understand the mark of salvation in your life. And it starts with that issue of a new affection, understanding having a new account with God, having a new appetite, a new attitude, and that new alignment. So, so that in salvation, I can say I'm a brand new person inside and out. That's what conversion is about. Being converted from spiritual death unto spiritual life. Right? Being taken from being guilty to being justified or pardoned from being in the realm of darkness to now the the kingdom of light. That's conversion. You you understand that. First Thessalonians uh, chapter one. You can read about that more. So let me ask this: Have you, in the past, made profession of faith in Christ and then feel like that really didn't bring about anything different? Is there? Do you feel like there's no change in your life? And that's that's an important issue that you examine, that you weigh out. It might be that you are not saved. And we want to help you know bring that to light more and more. Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. And I know, you know, it's like what we're building at here is this. Let's say in five years. Both Brennan and I are gone. Not that that's going to happen. We don't plan on that. But let's just say, the two pastors on the church staff and, and, and Sarah Hurley, women's and children's director, let's say all of a sudden, you know, we're gone. Now what? Well, we got to go hire someone, right? A lot of times we, we think in terms of, well, we got to go hire someone. And yeah, I understand that. We get that. And that might have to happen. But really what we want to do is be edifying the body so that men can fill into the pulpit until they do hire someone. Right? That, that's the kind of thing. I might be jumping around here some, but I, I, I'm trying to help us understand the track that I believe God has us on as Christians And so, we need to consider this issue in a serious way. Am I truly saved? There's been many an example of people who uh, attend church, give faithfully, have a, a certain demeanor, and get brought into leadership, and they're not really even saved. We want to uh, guard against that, because we don't want someone that's not saved being involved in leadership. And especially in regards to like teaching, we want to make sure the person is in, is, uh, who, who's involved in teaching is, is saved and growing in their relationship with the Lord. So what's next? Okay, we've identified this mark of salvation. What's next? Number two is the mark of submission. Submission. Okay? There's no other way to say it. If you... Listen... If you are born again, 
If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then your number one goal in life is to what? Give to the church offering. No. <laughs> your number one goal in life is to be like Jesus Christ. Male or female, young or old. That's your number one goal. If you say you're a believer, then you need to say, God, help me in growing to be like Jesus. Now, thank God that He puts people in our lives that we can see a, re a reflection of Jesus in, right? And that's why the, the encouragement of the body... The building up of the body is really helpful. The stimulating of love and good works to one another. Because I see Jesus in you. I can see Jesus in you. Lord willing, you can see Jesus in me. That's what we want to see happening and stirring up in the body of Christ here at Parkside. Okay? But if you want to be like Christ, guess what? You need to serve. You need to be involved in serving Him. Christ gives us the pattern Himself. He shows us. He demonstrates it. He does it. Service demonstrated by Christ was what? Laying down His life. Right? He laid down His life. He paid the penalty. He's the ransom. The ransom given for the benefit of others that they might be forgiven of their guilt, the guilt of their sin, and then sanctified. Okay? The idea of serving God. What does that really mean? When we today in this life, in our the way churches are going now, it seems like when we think of a servant of God, we automatically start saying, "Well, I, I'm not, I'm not like so and so. I'm not a servant like so and so over there. I'm not like this person or that person." Well, that's an erroneous comparison. Don't go there. Don't make that comparison because if you're saved, God will have you to serve. In today's modern church, we tend to think that an individual is made or shaped by their academic training, by rigorous upper-level Bible courses, by posting the one's degree on your wall in your office. Well, there's a real spiritual servant right there. Look, he's got this and this and this. Where do you read that in, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Where do you read that in Acts, in the start of the church? What kind of people did Jesus pull aside and draw to himself as disciples? See, we have fallen prey to this idea that, you know, here are these qualifications. And we've got a thin line to, to go on here, folks. Realize this? Because we don't want to just throw it out and say, oh, it doesn't matter. You don't have to have any qualifications at all. Don't worry about that. Just as long as you have a sincere heart. No, we need to understand that it come, it does come together. Men that are qualified to lead. Men that understand the Word of God. Okay? Um, it's not just saying, I, I, um, you know, there's gotta be growth in this, right? And so, um, we just need to understand the importance uh, that Jesus puts on service. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. There's other um, parallel passages to this, but we'll, we'll pick on this one here. We'll highlight this one here. Matthew 20. 
before we read it, we want to understand that we're not talking about just random acts of kindness. We're talking about kingdom work, service for the king, service for the Lord Jesus. Um, uh, in regards to the, his spiritual realm, his church, his body, his family. And it's then done for him. It's done unto him. We, we have our nursery. We, we typically um, use that as an example. It's not just babysitting. Go in there and serve for the Lord. Um, primary Sunday school, junior Sunday school. Oh, that's an easy job. Just, you know, just go in there and teach. No. Don't, don't just go there and teach. Go in there and do it for the Lord. Awana Ministries. We just wrapped up a wonderful year of Awana. Praise God. But, you know, you get plugged into Awana for next fall. Well, it's not just a, no, do it for the Lord. Each step. We want to be in the little things. Be faithful to Him. Why? Because, Bigger things can come where, we, again, the, in the bigger ways, we want to be faithful to Him. Okay? So, we look at Matthew... Well, you know what? I'm jumping ahead of myself. I, I want to... In, in this second mark of submission, we need to go first to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 6 is the whole idea of a new premise. The new premise that we have in understanding having a servant's heart or having submission as our mark in our lives, the, the track that we're on. Romans 6, starting at verse 16. Do you not know when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. Now, right there, listen, you are serving something or someone. It doesn't, you are. You just are serving someone. Okay? You say, um, okay, yeah, I, I, I've not come, I've not put my faith in Jesus Christ. Well, you are serving sin. You're serving yourself. You're not serving God. If you're a Christian, you say, oh, I'm serving God. And that, that's good. That's what we want to do. But the problem is, self can sneak into the picture because of our pride. The pride is not eradicated when you come to faith in Christ. Pride is still there. The struggle is still there with stuff. And so we need to understand there needs to be this new premise, Romans 6, 16 through 19, okay? And then carry on verse 17, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Folks, that's what we want to do is help Christians understand, you go from being a slave to sin to not just saying, oh, I'm free. No, we're needing to say, yeah, I'm a slave to righteousness now. We don't like those kind of terms in our day and age. But yet, the growing, maturing Christian understands, yeah, I'm a slave to Jesus. I've been bought with a price. I'm no longer my own. Therefore, what? 
glorify God in your body. That's the point of what He's done in coming to rescue us. And not just giving us a reservation in heaven, but indwelling our hearts with the Holy Spirit so that we might glorify Him in our work, in our families, in all things, and that people are more and more learning to serve Him in all aspects of life. Okay? So there's a new premise. It's unto righteousness. A new premise unto righteousness. Being a slave of righteousness, right? Being a slave of Jesus Christ. Letter B. It's a new perspective. Now let's go to Matthew 20. Sorry about that confusion there. But letter B is now a new perspective. My perspective changes because of here's what Jesus has brought about. Okay? And in particular, it's about um, recognizing this issue of ambition. There's nothing really said about leadership here, but it's, it's brought about. Um, here's the mother of the sons of Zebedee. She came to Jesus in Matthew 20, verse 20. She came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down and making a request of Him. Now, listen, you know what? Can you picture this? These are not little boys. These are grown men. And here comes mom. It just doesn't have the the best atmosphere to it. It just seems like it's kind of backwards or something. Awkward. Well, she comes to Jesus. What do you wish? Is what Jesus says. And she said to him in verse 21, Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit on your right and one on your left. And Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And they, the sons, said to him, we are able. And he said to them, my cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and on my left, this is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. Well, earlier in the previous chapter, Jesus mentioned about the kingdom and the 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 twelve thrones there in the kingdom. So he brought it up. Was it wrong for the woman, the mother, to request this? Well, not really. Jesus didn't rebuke the mother. He just warned the disciples, hey, can you drink this cup? Well, it causes irritation and angst amongst the disciples. Look at verse 24. And hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. See, this is what we want to focus in on for helping develop leaders. There's the key right there in this passage. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. See, what Jesus is in in essence doing is saying, take off these lenses that you have about leadership and greatness and ambition. Take off those lenses that the Gentiles have. What is that? Well... Be in charge. Be be the leader. Take charge. Command everyone behind you. Follow me. 
See, he's, he's reversing the, the way that the world looks at it. Okay? How do we see things? We need to examine what kind of lenses we're looking at life through. Are we looking at life through my Americanism? Through my political views? How are we looking at life? What kind of lenses am I putting on? Are they my own? Rose-colored shades that I, ha- that I have on that I'm looking at life through? Watch and weigh it out and evaluate it. What kind of lenses? And the idea that we're getting at here is what Jesus said. What the Word of God teaches us. Keep those lenses as the ones that you look through for leadership, for ambition, for greatness. Did Jesus say that it was wrong to seek after greatness? Did He? No! He's not condemning that. He's saying, watch out for the world, the Gentiles. Let's not go with their kind of understanding. And listen, my friend, that's what churches tend to do. We tend to look at so and so and say, wow, they're really, you know, the really good, you know, quality person, you know, well, that's good. But the tendency is if we say they're, they're successful in business, they're if, uh, really great with money and all this, you know, no, it's more than just that. It's a matter of the heart. Okay? Matter of the heart. So, we are, in essence, said, we're told by Jesus, wrap yourself in humility when it comes to these kind of things. Wrap yourself in humility for a life of service. Okay? We don't have time to look at it. We're going to start wrapping things up here. John 13. You don't need to turn there. Mark it down though. John 13 is the issue where it's the last few hours before he's arrested or betrayed, arrested and, and mocked and beaten and all that and put to the cross. Just a few hours. And what does he do? He takes on the role of a servant to wash the disciples' feet. Here's a quote from John Ortberg. He's a, a, a preacher and an author. He's saying, washing of feet, listen to this, washing of feet was regarded as so menial, so degrading, that even Jewish slaves tried to get out of it. It was left for the Gentile slaves. There's no story of anyone anywhere of higher social status washing the feet of someone of lower social status. You get that? It just didn't happen. That never happened until this night. Jesus took off his outer cloak, picked up a towel, and picked up a basin, got down on his knees, and washed their filthy, stinky feet. And he then says to him, I have set an example that you should do as I have done. So is there any question of what greatness looks like in God's eyes? Service, servant's heart. And I close with this. You know, it's, it's typical that this gets forgotten. I should have put it in the notes. You can add number 2C. Where's the Holy Spirit in all this? Where's the prerequisite? That's, that's what it is. Here's the prerequisite for a servant's heart. Is that the Holy Spirit dominates our lives. Complete, uh, fills our lives. That we're asking the Holy Spirit to fill us and use us. But you know what? I was just, I, I, I was like, 
I get rolling in stuff and I, I got to remember things like this. It's not by my strength. It's not by your power. It's not by our intelligence. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. That's what accomplishes great things. He accomplishes great things through His Spirit indwelling you, believer, involving you in serving in little ways and in big ways. Okay? If the church is to have impact in our community, if the church is to have effect and blessing, it hinges on you and I being little clay pots. I thought you were going to build this to, uh, you know, big, bold, uh, strong, courageous leadership. Nope. It hinges on you and I being a clay pot. You know what? how valuable a clay pot is? <laughs> You're a clay pot, my friend. And God loves to deposit His treasure in little earthen dirt clay pots. So that they might, that the, the treasure might shine forth from this little clay pot. Okay? That's the track that we are on about leadership. Yeah. Servant's heart, humble, humility, love for Christ. And we're gonna build on this in the next two weeks here. I know there's lots more to say about leadership. Okay? Would you please pray that God would continue to raise up leaders in this congregation with this, with what we've spoken of here in this time, with that in mind? That the person truly understands salvation and not just banks on a decision back in 1979 or 1989 and doesn't have any clue about growth and maturity in Christ, but is certainly growing in his faith and her faith. This is the track God has his children on. Let's let's recognize that. Okay? It's the track that you are on. If you say you're a Christian, that's the track God has you on. To just keep growing by way of serving him. So he died for all. Second Corinthians 5.15 He died for all. Here's the gospel. He died for all. Why? So that they who live may no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died and rose again on their behalf. Let's pray. Lord, help us with these things and thank You for Your truth. Thank You for Jesus' example. Lord, it humbles our hearts to, to picture the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords stripping down and taking on a towel and a basin and, and washing the feet of the disciples. And we, we certainly do have a tendency, dear Lord, we admit it. We even look down at the disciples. We kind of condescend on them and our attitudes and our thinking. And yet, we would have done the same thing. We would have bickered and argued about who is the greatest. Lord, um, help us to humble ourselves in our lives and receive 
what you have given, the, the great treasure of yourself to our lives. And please be glorified in our lives as we yield to the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us. Lord, we want to display the, the power and the control of the Holy Spirit rather than the power and the control of ourselves. Forgive us for this, Lord. May Christ be seen at Parkside Bible Fellowship in all that we do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.